Hello, welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, your host for today, and I want to welcome you back once again to our show. We have now over 55 episodes, approaching 60 episodes in the can for Meraki Unboxed. There is a lot of content there which is not time sensitive, so I would definitely recommend you go back and have a look at our archive if you're interested in what we're doing at Meraki at Cisco. Uh, we would love for you to, uh, to, to see that and to hear that and to really get, um, get a feel for how we operate as a business. As you know, on this podcast, we cover the technology, but also other aspects of life at Meraki and indeed within Cisco. And that's what we're doing today. So today we're going to be covering one of the most pressing topics that is coming uh, up more and more in our world, and that's the topic of sustainability. It's something which has been around for a long time, of course, we've been talking about this for many years, but it's really gaining even more attention at this point in time. So I really wanted to get a conversation going with two of the real leaders, thought leaders in, on this topic in both Meraki and Cisco uh, to just get that conversation going. So with that, I'd like to go straight over to our guest today and make some introductions. So first up, uh, we have Daryl Stickler. Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how are you doing, Simon? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, you're very welcome, and it's awesome to have you on here. Um, we're very, very privileged to have you on here. And um, as far as how I'm doing, it's Friday as we're recording this. So that's my answer to that question. It's the, it's almost the weekend. Looking forward to that. So what do you do for us at Cisco, Daryl? So I'm Cisco's global environmental sustainability lead. There is a lot of people around the company in the various business functions, manufacturing facilities, engineering services that work on sustainability. But I sit in a corporate function and I coordinate the activities and I translate the inquiries that we get from the outside, what we call stakeholder inquiries mm -hmm. from customers and media advocacy and so forth, and work with the business functions to develop our initiatives and goals and track our performance. Fantastic. Well, that sounds like an enormous, enormous job. So we're going to get uh, into that and unpick it pretty soon. Really interested to hear more about that work. Um, and we also have from Rocky, we have Christian Zachariot. Hi, Christian. How are you doing today? Hey, Simon. Very good. Thanks. How are you? Also very good and still as good as I was a few moments ago. Uh, Christian, <laughs> tell us what you do uh, at Meraki. Yeah, sure. I'm a um, partner solutions architect at Meraki based in London in the UK. And um, meaning, yeah, I support our partners with um, empowering them to, you know, use Meraki technology to deliver uh, solutions, but also services and so use our ecosystem. Wonderful. And so that's not really so much uh, specifically targeted at sustainability. So tell us how you got involved with this. Yeah, definitely. Derrick's uh, involvement is a bit more straightforward than mine, probably, yeah. Um, so, yeah, personally, I am um, very passionate about this topic. And I started um, yeah, probably a bit more than half a year ago to bring my, my personal passion into uh, my job and uh, see, you know, what, what different areas are there within Cisco and within Meraki which touch this topic, sustainability. And uh, from there, I'd really spiraled that this topic, um, you know, became more and more part of what I'm doing, you know, connecting people together, uh, gathering information and lots of other things. Mm. And actually, it was, it was through a conversation uh, with Christian a few months ago now that I sort of started getting involved in this myself. And some of the areas that, uh, that he highlighted around the business, and maybe Christian, it's worth sharing those as well. It's like, why, why now? Why is this topic uh, starting to, to come up more for you? Yeah, I think, as you said initially, um, you know, this, this topic is definitely not new. And we had, you know, in the past already, um, you know, conversations about green IT 
um, but uh, it's somehow faded away a bit, right? It's kind of slipped from the agenda uh, because, you know, it was not really a tangible requirement, right? It was uh, very often a, a nice to have. Um, and then, you know, it's difficult to make this a business priority if there is no liability, really. And I think what, what changed over the, the recent years is that, you know, globally, there is there is a lot more attention on this topic uh, due to various reasons. People like like Greta Thunberg, for example, you know, mm. bringing this topic on the agenda, challenging uh, political leaders uh, in in a very straightforward way, you know, to uh, to 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 look at things which need to be done. Um, yeah, since since then, um, um, you know, we also saw governments and countries uh, stepping up um, and putting policies in place and. But on the other hand, also consumers becoming more more interested in it. And I think, you know, when I look at myself, and obviously I'm massively biased here, but I think uh, there's definitely a trend um, from, from a consumer perspective that, you know, you want to consume sustainable products. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this, again, you know, puts companies in the position that they need to be, you know, responsible for the footprints and need to see how they, you know, can address this demand. Absolutely. Um, and and Daryl, you've been in this space for quite some time. Um, tell us a little bit about the sort of background and and you know how it's developed over time for you. Yeah, some someday I maybe I should write a book because I, I feel like I'm a pretty old hand at this. I got, I got involved back in 2006, mm. and um, I forget exactly. I think Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth was back in the early part of the century. I want to yeah. say 2003, but it was quite a while ago. And, he did a very good job popularizing the issue, although a lot of people don't realize that the concern about greenhouse gases and the impact they have on the, the energy balance between the Earth and space, uh, that goes back to the 60s. Mm. Even the government, you know, the U.S. government has, was doing studies in the 70s, and I believe congressional hearings – were had so this is not a new topic in terms of the world, but certainly the the movie got a lot of press, and, mm-hmm. and Al was a great uh, spokesperson, you know, climbing up on his ladder or right. the um, oh yes, remember that cherry picker that he to show how greenhouse gas uh, concentrations on the Earth Earth's atmosphere have increased so mm-hmm. much compared to pre-industrial times. So there was a, a period of, um, I'll just call it the passion phase, if you will, where people were getting more involved. Uh, I know at Cisco, there was very little visibility on greenhouse gases, for mm-hmm. example. And so there was a big learning curve going around the company and trying to just get a couple people in each business function. I remember we had a, um, it was called the Stewardship Council, and there were 17 business functions and it was primarily an educational mission so mm-hmm. people could learn about the various issues. And Cisco started setting goals to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. And so we're actually on our third five-year goal, which wow. is pretty – yeah, it is. It, it's quite a long thing. Uh, like Christian was saying earlier, the um, I'd say about two years ago, I noticed a, a really acceleration of interest particularly around climate change. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was just very slow and steady, always upward, but not very much year over year. And it was also still a cottage industry, I think. There used to be a a thing called an SRI, a socially responsible investor. 
Mm. And these were special analysts that focused on sustainability. Well, that phrase, that term or acronym has gone out of usage because now all the big, you know, State Street, Vanguard, Fidelity, BlackRock, they're all socially responsible investors now. Right. So it's really right. quite interesting. And, and as Christian was saying, there's just been a, uh, I think, in the popular conscience, and maybe the, the change of administration has provided an additional acceleration. But like net zero is now on everybody's tongue. And, and people are really getting the idea that this is a problem that we have to solve. Mm. Yes, and, and it's amazing to hear some of that history because uh, it's just a reminder that this is definitely not new. Uh, it's it's something which has been around for, for a very long time. And we keep getting reminders, of course, uh, in the news almost daily uh, that there is some, you know, there there are some real ramifications to some of the activities that we engage in, um, you know, as a species, and uh, and so the, it's it's really good that it's getting the, the kind of focus that it gets now. It actually leads me on to um, to uh, if you like to ask a question about what I think of as the elephant in the room here, which is that you know Cisco is at the end of the day uh, a company that manufactures. Big metal boxes, uh, not all of them big, but uh, metal boxes. They consume power. They're shipped around the world. Uh, so, you know, what is it about um, technology that that we we can do to to try and improve on that? I mean, uh, Christian, I know you had some thoughts on this uh, when we were chatting before we started the recording. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think technology definitely um, has its part in in the foot in the footprint, right? So it's as you said, it consumes energy, it causes emissions. So uh, it's definitely also important that that IT and technology sector uh, is is you know takes its responsibility, and we are taking our responsibility to do our part and reduce our emissions. But on the other hand, um, technology can also be part of the solution because mm. in order to, I mean, it's a massive challenge we have in front of us, right? I think it's an unprecedented challenge where basically every country in the world really needs to unite and, and take on this challenge together. And this is not possible without technology. Right? And I think uh, um, there are so many different areas, um, if it's, you know, from a data perspective, you know, to understand, uh, um, you know, the problem and also to find ways how to overcome it, to find new fuels and, you know, to engineer new fuels and so on. Mm -hmm. This is all based on technology. So I think it's not only, you know, it's not only the part of the, the footprint, but part of the solution. Yeah, and, and Daryl, I, I think we we as you as you alluded to with your previous answer, I mean, we have started really thinking about this at Cisco and and you know reporting on it and recording it. So it, we we obviously understand that we have in some ways a contribution to the challenge as well as potential solutions there. How do you think about that? Yeah, it's. I mean, we're we're talking now about climate change, but there are other environmental impacts and. I think the change in business today versus, let's just say, 50 years ago is there's a recognition that uh, businesses and actually individuals, you know, all of us have to look at the negative impacts that we have and, and take action to reduce that. In, in our industry, we use a lot of electricity because uh, a good share of our revenue comes from selling hardware that plugs into the wall. And, and so that's something that we have to deal with now because greenhouse gas emissions are, are an issue. Um, we have an advantage that uh, actually if you look at rate, uh, rankings and ratings, there's a lot of firms that put these uh, 
that classify companies how well they're doing. Cisco does well in technology in general is the top performing sector. And so we have an advantage that a lot of our customers, including Cisco, are ahead of the curve in taking action. Mm-hmm. So the big the big data centers, the, the web scale uh, data centers, a lot of them are, are run 100% with renewable energy. And right. Cisco now, we're at about 83% renewable energy for all of our global operations. Mm. And, and that includes... You know, like our WebEx uh, runs a lot in our own data centers. And so by using these services, the carbon impact, if you will, is actually very small because we've taken steps to to run the, our data centers off of renewable energy. So it's not a fatal problem. It's something that we know how to solve mm-hmm. and we're taking action to do it. And a lot of Cisco's customers are some of the biggest companies all around the world. And we're very fortunate that those big companies pretty much all recognize the responsibility right. and they're going to low carbon electricity. Yep. And so we're going to get all the benefit that technology provides, you yes. know, all the economic benefits and particularly in developing countries and so forth is an engine of economic growth. But we're dealing with any of the negative impact. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that you you mentioned this stuff because – uh, and it's actually the reason why I wanted to do this podcast episode is because, you know, we know that, that there are some good things happening, but I'm not sure that people know about it. And so really want to to try to spread the word about that. And of course, this is part of part of that effort. I think one of the other, um, if you like, opening questions that I have on this topic is sometimes these buzzwords that get used and we have so many buzzwords in our, in the tech industry uh, we could almost say that sustainability itself is a bit of a buzzword and and to help get past that perception uh, I would love us to just unpick a little bit uh, what it encompasses so what what are the what are the different aspects that we're typically thinking about um you know you mentioned yourself Daryl that uh you know the greenhouse gases and the and the climate change part is sort of one aspect of it. But maybe talk us through uh, what are the different areas that you think of when you're covering uh, this this topic. Yeah, Cisco uses the Global Reporting uh, Index and GRI. I, I almost used the acronym. <laughs> yeah, we have habit, a thing. We have so. a thing about three letter acronyms on uh, yeah. on the podcast. So. so so they they have a nice framework where they define the major environmental categories. So we mentioned energy and greenhouse gas emissions. Mm -hmm. Materials is another one, you know, because materials have to be dug out of the ground and that can have a negative impact. Water usage. Uh, Water usage is interesting because it depends. Like in Seattle, in the U.S., water probably isn't an issue because it rains there a lot. Mm -hmm. In California, it is. So it's more localized. Greenhouse gas emissions is a global is a global issue. So we have energy, greenhouse gas, uh, materials, water, biodiversity. You know, this is uh, often an impact that people see where humans encroach on natural habitat. So biodiversity is another. And and there's what I call, it's kind of like 70s uh, environmental, clean air and clean water. In the U.S., because of the Clean Air Act and Clean uh, Water Act, which were passed in the 70s, 
the U.S. has cleaned up substantially, but other parts of the world are still struggling with that. So those are the major issues uh, that that we all have to address. Cisco does, um, oh, more jargon, there's a thing in sustainability that's called a materiality assessment. Okay. And you go through and you look at the company operations and our products, our suppliers, how our customers use our products, and you figure out where you have the most impact. And for Cisco, it's energy, greenhouse gas, and materials. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we put you know, the majority of our investment. We don't ignore the rest, but it's more due diligence. Yes, and and we do actually capture all of this work as well, don't we? So there, there's a there's a, a an annual is it annual um, a Cisco report that that uh, that's produced here, and I, I've seen that it's it's extremely thorough. And uh, I think before we go, we'll we'll uh, link and maybe put a link in the in the show notes as well uh, for anybody who's interested to take a look at that. But maybe talk us through your involvement with that and and uh, what's involved in pulling everything together for it. Yeah, so, so our annual reporting is, is actually an interesting activity because one, the biggest challenge that we have is the audience is so broad. We have some people that just want to understand a little bit, and, and so we try to give them a high-level view, and, and that's probably best access through our website because it, it provides more visuals. Mm-hmm. At the other end of the spectrum, we have financial analysts and industry analysts that want all the detail, because what they're trying to do is assess the risks and opportunities and how that may impact the fortunes of the company going forward. Yep. And, and this activity has, uh, or, or the, the involvement of the investment community has matured extensively over the last couple of years. Mm. So, you know, I mentioned the website. We have a more detailed report, which uh, in our past year was called the Environment Technical Review. It's about 75 pages, and it has no pictures at all. <laughs> uh, lots of tables and numbers and lots of text. But the purpose behind it is to give uh, these detail-oriented stakeholders all the information that they need how Cisco is doing on each of these global reporting initiative environmental topics. Wow. Okay. Um, yes, I've had a look at that document myself, and it's uh, it is very very thorough. So uh, I think we'll we'll definitely link to that uh, so others can take a look at it as well because it's obviously something that we do we do publish uh, publicly as well. Uh, and Christian, I mean, from your side. Um, you're, you're based over in Europe, and I know obviously the topic is extremely hot there. And you know, what are you seeing as you talk to your customers and partners? Uh, what what's sort of motivating the the activity there? I think I think there are multiple angles and um, you know multiple directions where we see uh, an increased activity and interest um, um, throughout the board, really. But um, some focus areas I think is definitely in in, in public sector. Right, because um, so the EU, for example, with its uh, Green Deal, which encompasses a lot of uh, investment and goals, you know, to reduce uh, the emissions by 55% by 2030, and there are a number of activities bound to that uh, in order to reach that goal, which 
you know basically means that you know every company which which and individual which contributes to to those emissions experience some sort of change right and um, so this is you can see this heavily in uh, local and central government for example um, in, in various countries and basically all countries that um, you know for example in procurement uh, there is a higher focus on uh, sustainability mm -hmm. uh, that that suppliers um, need to uh, assist and help uh, those entities to reach their goals and not contribute to the problem, right? So that's right. Uh, that's definitely a change. Um, but also, um, you know, equally in the private sector, um, I think, um, you know, since there is uh, um, sustainability is a differentiator in the market as well. And I think we can see that uh, brands which market their products in a sustainable fashion see um, higher and, and faster growth compared to traditionally marketed products. And that 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 means also that you know those companies uh, they need to make sure that whatever they consume, whether it's you know technology or raw materials, that it's done in a sustainable fashion. Mm -hmm. So they they inquire. Right? They want to know um, um, what are we doing internally uh, to to address um, you know our our supply chain and to make them more sustainable. Uh, to look at our products um, and, and you know just help them to understand what footprint does it cause you know when we add our products to it. There's one other thing which I remember uh, we, we chatted about one time, uh, which is around the sort of generational shift that's happening as well. Very interesting one. Um, as somebody who is definitely not uh, in the younger generation, I'm glad the podcast is uh, not, not video. Um, but uh, I, I can definitely say that uh, I'm not generation. Which generation are we on right now? Is it uh, Y? I, I lose track. But um, there's been a there's been a bit of a shift in terms of uh, attitudes towards this and and people actually choosing to vote with their feet so that maybe even goes as far as which organizations they choose to associate them with themselves with either as a customer or even potentially as an employee 100 percent. i think i count as a millennial right so i'm born <laughs> born mid, mid of the 80s i think that, that qualifies me as a as a millennial and that's that's exactly what what's happening as well so it's um yeah just we can see that uh, this generation and and the younger generations maybe even more so um um, are very interested in this topic, right? Mm -hmm. Because they will also be affected the most when climate change won't be right. slowed down. Right. Um, and uh, especially, you know, when we look at millennials, which are born, you know, from the beginning of the 80s to mid 90s, basically, they are now in strategic positions in many companies, right? With, mm -hmm. with, with that, with their beliefs, they are, you know, in, in purchasing positions and decision makers. And it's, yeah, it's just shown that um, um, a big portion of um, you know this demographic is not only considering you know technological aspects, for example, when making uh, purchasing decisions, mm -hmm. but it's also you know equally uh, important that the vendor of choice um, is doing something for the community. Um, you know, social uh, and, and philanthropic efforts also play a role in that decision. Yes, definitely. Um, Daryl, I. I think one of the things I was hoping to do with this episode as well is to just maybe walk through the kind of the, the whole journey that uh, that we think about at Cisco. So this is a nice way to really cover all the different aspects uh, of this topic as we see it um, within Cisco, uh, you know, starting from the manufacture of the product through to you know, its distribution and its life cycle. Maybe um, that, that, this is obviously a big one because <laughs> there's quite a few different areas here, but but uh, perhaps if we have a go at um, just painting that picture of the, the sort of journey that uh, that a typical Cisco product and, uh, and customer can expect as well. 
Yeah. Well, I can give a little bit of an overview of how our products get to our customers. Yeah. And and so that's kind of the check stations, kind of like a subway with different stations that you stop at. Mm-hmm. The environmental impact or the sustainability impact in each station has to be considered. Maybe starting with greenhouse gas emissions for for Cisco's carbon footprint, the electricity that our products use constitute the biggest part of our footprint. Right. So for us, that means not wasting. It's, it's kind of a, another one of those sustainability terms and stuff. Is is um, some some people kind of have what I call burlap bag approach to sustainability. That means that we're all supposed to wear burlap bags and, and eat leaves. But the idea really is to become efficient. Don't waste. That's the first thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at a Tesla, anybody that's driven a Model S, that's about as far from a burlap bag as you can get. A lot of people are, you know, automotive writers think it's one of the best cars on the market, internal combustion or electric. Mm-hmm. So, so a great example how you can have it both ways. So for us, it, it's all about making our products more energy efficient because you don't want to waste energy. Uh, and, and then, as I said, you know, we're not going to get away from the fact that our products are going to use some electricity. Right. And that's where we want to, to use low-carbon electricity. And one of the benefits of the new economy, the, the data centers and so forth are being consolidated in, in you know, this cloud yes. computing that you read a lot about. And that, again, is really good for us because here's the efficient word again. Data centers are really efficient. They have the best design, the best people, the most um, low-carbon electricity. Mm-hmm. And so it's the best place to put uh, information technology products because the environmental environmental impact is low. So that's, that's the use phase of our products or using our products. But people are also interested about the supply chain mm-hmm. impacts yes. because you do you are using raw materials and those have to be dug out of the ground. That takes energy. There's processing and transportation and so forth. And that makes up maybe about 10% of our footprint. Just as we, you know, I mentioned uh, earlier with the various topics, we invest most heavily in our top material topics but we don't ignore the rest. It's the same here. Use phase is really important, Mm -hmm. a lot of investment there, but we don't ignore the supply chain. So if you look in our uh, engineering or environmental uh, technical report, we list, we set goals because for the things that are important, we set goals. So you'll see a lot of stuff going on and our supply chain organization has set goals to reduce the carbon footprint of our suppliers. Just, yes. you know, because we think, you know, first we took it on. So we're we're on our way to having greenhouse gas emissions 60 percent below where they were back in 2007. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty good progress. Now we're taking that that journey to our suppliers and getting them to reduce their emissions. And a lot of them have done it, you know, just as we have over the years. Mm-hmm. But. You know, not everybody has. And so we set a goal because the fact is, as our supply chain has an impact on our footprint and we can't ignore it. Doing the same thing with materials. Again, climate change gets a lot of the press, but materials is also uh, an impact. And we have a, a program, Circular Economy, 
is, is the watchword yes. or the, the term of choice when it comes to materials. And our supply chain organization leads our circular economy effort. And again, first thing you do is let's use our materials most efficiently. Mm-hmm. And then once you've done that, how do we make sure that we minimize any environmental impact? And one of the first things that we want to do is to, to recover our products after our customers are done with them. Mm-hmm. We, we have an advantage in that uh, our sales are B2B, business to business. Uh, some of the more consumer-facing companies have a bigger challenge, I think, getting their products back after the consumer is done with it. Or you have these um, single-use products like a straw that causes a lot of impact. But for us, what we're, what we're trying to do is to establish a circular flow. So when our product, our customers are done with our products, they're returned to Cisco. Mm. And then Cisco can responsibly either reuse the product or harvest the components and, or harvest the materials. Uh, we have a, a program that we're, we're making our new phones out of old phones. And this has been a couple of years in the making, but we found a vendor that could take old plastic and turn it into resin beads that met the performance requirements that we needed to make new phones. Right. So that's pretty cool. That That is the me ultra plus of circular economy is you're not taking old uh, or used product and turning it into flower pots. You're actually making the same new product. And, and that's the virtuous circle that we we would like to replicate everywhere. Mm. There's just so many different aspects to it, and, and uh, definitely you've touched on a bunch of those there. I think the other interesting area, um, Christian, turning to you, I, I think, is is the use of the technology itself. As you said, technology can be part of the solution. So uh, give us a couple of examples of, of how we're able to use the technology that we actually make and, and sell ourselves to, to help us be better informed and just and make better choices. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think you know a couple of examples would be, uh, um, and probably they are a bit obvious. But I think you know sometimes the most obvious things are which which sometimes slip, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, one aspect is to you know use technology when you actually need it, right? And that's that's very relevant uh, when we think of you know for example education, where you have you know classrooms and you know universities, which are not used all the time, right? So you need technology, <clears throat> the Wi-Fi, for example, only when, you know, there is a class happening. Right. Um, and uh, depending on the model, you know, which exact, you know, uh, type of school it is, it could be that, you know, the Wi-Fi is only required 40% of the overall time, but uh, out of often out of convenience um, or because it was just not considered that, you know, you can turn off the Wi-Fi when you don't need it, it runs 24-7 mm-hmm. because that's, you know, the easy thing to do. Um, but by, um, you know, leveraging our technology to uh, um, implement schedules so that you, you know, only have the technology active when there is, you know, the business hour uh, of that specific um, you know, company or in this, this case, a school, you can yeah, reduce the energy consumption drastically. And those are, I think those are also cases where, you know, companies and, and entities look now, you know, where can we actually reduce our footprint and where are potentially quick wins? And that's definitely a quick win, right? I mean, to, to only use something, you know, when you, when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, other areas are, we launched a couple of months ago, our environmental sensors, 
uh, from Meraki, and, and one one of the, the sensors is a temperature and humidity sensor. And um, yeah, here uh, you know use cases are in, in buildings, for example, or in in data center environments, um, specifically in data centers where um, you know cooling is a very energy intensive uh, yes. um, aspect. Yeah. It can actually, you know, help to really understand what is the temperature in different areas of the data center, so that you don't only measure the temperature in, you know, a couple of, of the data points uh, in the whole room, but you get more specific, right? So you measure the temperature at the inlet uh, um, of the IT equipment in the cold aisle, and also on the other side, and you measure multiple points uh, of those racks right. to really yeah. uh, to really right size um, the the temperature, you know, that you do not overcool because you know, the cooler you make the room, the more energy you need to do that. But actually, very often data center rooms are too cold, you know, or colder as, as they could be. Um, and by increasing the temperature to an optimal level, um, you just reduce, you know, the, the cost for, for cooling the room, the uh, energy consumption, and then in turn also the potential emissions which are caused by that. And um, yeah, I think that that's a very interesting area where we will see a lot more uh, activity going forward. Another one is also in the sensor area. Um, another sensor is a water leak uh, sensor where we can mm -hmm. detect uh, basically when water touches touches the the probe of the sensor. Water waste is a is a big problem, right? It's it's a problem from an environmental perspective because we you know as Daryl said in some areas uh, of of the world and many areas of the world actually uh, water is not not as vastly as valuable as it as it used to be. And uh, um, reducing the water waste by detecting water leaks early um, is also highly beneficial from an environmental standpoint. But also what it also does is when you think of a retail shop, for example, uh, very often um, in, in you know the, the room where um, the IT equipment is and maybe the, the boiler and uh, also uh, the stock is hold you know which is mm -hmm. not yet not yet on the sales floor but is you know um, held in, in, in the back. Um, sometimes there are you know millions worth of dollars or pounds or euros uh, in, in those rooms and uh, if that gets spoiled by water damage, Obviously, uh, it's a financial damage to to that customer, but also you know all the goods need to be replaced, which is also bad from a sustainability standpoint. And uh, water damage is the number one claim in in the UK from an insurance perspective. So it's a it's a, it's a huge problem as well, which we can which we can address with that. Another very interesting area, and that's something we introduced rather recently, is that we have a native integration with an electronic shelf label vendor. Um, right. Yeah. So we see over the couple of years um, some some retailers adopting already electronic shelf labels. Some are still in the PUC phase and and evaluating uh, if they you know change at least a specific area from from the shop from you know traditional paper and ink labels to electronic ones. And there are some interesting use cases which can be addressed with that. Um, that you know for when you think of fresh goods for example, food. That you know, food waste is a is also from an, an environmental problem, a, a yes. quite a big issue because uh, this causes emissions, right? Food waste, when you need to dispose of it and you can't sell it, you know, it needs to be destroyed basically. And this causes emissions and uh, every good you can sell and gets used by, by consumers is, is good, right? And um, from a retailer perspective, you can use those, those labels, those electronic labels to dynamically adjust the price depending on how long the, the goods are already mm -hmm. on the sales floor. 
And also um, on, on top of that, um, by our integration, you know, usually uh, electronic shelf label solutions need a separate infrastructure. So you need, for example, your Wi-Fi access point and you need a separate access point for those shelf labels. And we use the Wi-Fi infrastructure for it. And we use our IoT radio, which is in, in the access point. So you don't double up on infrastructure. Right. right. So you don't yes. need uh, the no separate gateways. Yep. Exactly. And that's throughout all the phases, right? Manufacturing and use, you automatically reduce the footprint of that because you leverage the same infrastructure. Mm. Yeah, um, Daryl, have you got anything to add there? Yeah, just listening to the Christian, you know, I've mentioned being efficient or cutting waste. That, I mean, those words came up, you know, repeatedly. And, and I guess efficiency and waste are two sides of the same coin. And the, the wonderful thing about like how do you how do you be more efficient? How do you cut waste? You need more efficient. Uh, you need more information. Mm -hmm. So you need to have like pervasive access, and and that's really where technology is going to take us first. Is yep. you have to know where you're wasting or where you're not being as efficient as you can, so you can step in and do something about it. You know, it's it's almost like a success. You know, they say death by a thousand cuts. This is like success by a million data points. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's what network technologies do because there's, there's different kinds of networks. There's the big networks in the core of the Internet that transmit unimaginable amounts of information. But to have these millions and millions of data points, you have to have low-power networks. Like, like Christian was saying, oh, you know, if I'm going to put all these shelf labels around, I have to have a very efficient way to gather the data. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we have that. And there's even these um, lower power networks called uh, LoRa. I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's a, a way that you can have battery-operated sensors that exist for years yes. out in the field. And But you need a way to get that signal cascaded up into the core internet to the edge or even to the the web data center so that you can take action, you know, do analysis and so forth. So it, it, it's a really bright future mm. for the technology. Yeah, and, and, and we do all know, because we, regardless of what we do for a living, I think you can't avoid um, the topic of measurement, right? Everybody wants to measure everything, and we have so much technology to help us with that. And this is just another example. It's a, it's a big challenge that we all face collectively. And the more we understand, the more we can see the challenge in front of us and measure it, the, the more obviously we can direct resources to, to try and address it as efficiently as possible. I think the, uh, some of those technology examples that Christian went through are super interesting. And, I, and I've always felt with the, just the cloud-managed approach that we take at Meraki, obviously we've got some benefits there. Daryl said earlier that um, you know, data centers just are more efficient uh, place to concentrate all that compute power uh, than having it separated out into hundreds of thousands of of different uh, customer locations and of course you know this is not new to Meraki we've been doing this for over a decade but but we have removed certain pieces of equipment that you just don't need as a result so wireless controllers is one of those uh, the network video recorder that's used with with um, with the video cameras, and then of course uh, as as we touched on there with the electronic shelf shelf labeling uh, gateways. So IoT gateways. Uh, as we bring in these new devices in, we're trying to think about you know new and uh, and more efficient ways to uh, to operate that just simplify. And of course that's a benefit 
for a network engineer is less gear to configure and worry about. But of course, there is also that physical impact to it as well. I think, uh, yeah, Christian, you had another point on this as well. Yeah, and I think adding to your point, another area where we are, you know, traditionally um, very strong and, and always invested a lot is in um, the capability to manage networks remotely. You know, that you also mm -hmm. have from an operational standpoint, all the tools to not send for every problem someone to site. Right, because right. also that uh, is not only you know slow and costly, but also here every site visit uh, has also a footprint. Um, so you know everything we do from um, you know packet captures or other things we can do remotely also here helps. It's a great point, and I, I remember when I lived in the UK, I didn't really sort of see the the benefit of that quite so much because it's quite a small country, right? And then I moved to the US, and uh, you know it's so common here for people to literally have to get on a plane to go and do something. Uh, you know, potentially as basic as, as setting up a network. So, you know, clearly the, some of those old benefits of Meraki are still very much here and relevant to um, to this conversation as well. So as, go ahead, as a sustainability guy at Cisco, you know, Christian, we were looking at the data centers that uh, sit behind all this Meraki equipment, and almost all of them are run from 100% low-carbon electricity. You get the advantage of all this technology without any uh, disbenefit or negative impact. And that's pretty cool. There is so much to unpack here. And I, I, I also noted the, the comments about um, food waste. And and I know that uh, in the Meraki offices where we, we, uh, we have plenty of people to feed every day, uh, we're really thinking about the the way that that food is handled uh, and any waste that's produced there, uh, both in terms of using materials that are uh, recyclable or compostable as much as possible, but also the distribution of the food itself to those who actually might need it that uh, that we're able to to help there as well. So just keeping everything in a, in a circular flow as far as possible, um, you know, you can see how it starts to, to add up together. So I want to start sort of slowly moving us towards a conclusion, and and uh, and I think in in uh, in doing so, obviously I, I really want to share the, some of our wisdom with uh, with those um, folks who are listening, and and maybe just uh, you know a lot of businesses I'm sure are still in the early stages or just thinking about um, how to get how to get started here or just to do more here. So any sort of suggestions, any advice uh, that you would uh, have to offer there. Um, Daryl, any thoughts? Well, I mean, you've uh, done you've done this for a while now, so I, I think uh, we've got yeah, some yeah. serious so, wisdom to pick up here. I, I'm thinking, I think a lot on, you know, a, a large company has um, better better uh, access to resources to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And if you are a larger company reporting to Carbon Disclosure Project, CDP, they're the, uh, I don't know if they'd appreciate this description, but they're the 800-pound gorilla in greenhouse gas uh, reporting. Mm -hmm. we, we found ourselves that reporting and reporting publicly makes a big difference in terms of your, your understanding of the problem. Because if you're reporting publicly, you pay a lot of attention to the quality of the data that I'm you're sure. putting out there. Yes. And then, of course, once you have the data to make it high quality – there's probably a lot of people that are involved making that happen. And people start asking, well, can we be more efficient? Um, at, at Cisco, we actually improved, the sustainability function actually improved our financial systems mm -hmm. because we highlighted the need to pull all our utility bills together from all around the world. 
and that gave our finance organization a reason to do this, which gave them a better handle on, a, on an important expense. But then once we did the reporting, we realized, oh, we can reduce this, and it provided a basis to set goals. Mm-hmm. So I think that's reporting to CDP, I would suggest almost for anybody. And even if you're a smaller company and you're not large enough to, to report to CDP, you can go through the exercise yourself. Most companies have web web pages. You can put the information on, on a web right. page. Yeah. And, and I think just going through the discipline of taking stock once a year, how you're doing. You know, again, if you're a large company and there's more resources, and maybe you can put out a 75-page report with, with so much detail. Right. Yeah. But even if you are a smaller company, you can invest a little bit to take a look at how your business is doing. And as Christian said, consumers care. And for sure, every single year, they're going to care more. Maybe it'll just be half a percent or 1%. But if you have a long-term view of your business, which I think most business owners, you know, they want their business to live beyond them, you know, and pass it on to new owners Mm -hmm. or or to their employees, you need to think long-term. I I think every company, no matter its size, can benefit from just going through the discipline of reporting and putting it out there for people to look at. That's great, um, Christian. I wonder if you got any uh, any thoughts to add there. Sort of any any sort of areas where you've seen. Uh, that you've been able to make a difference? Because obviously, as, as we said at the beginning, I mean, this is not your day job and you're, you're kind of, you know, you are looking at this out of you know, personal passion, which is so, so very helpful. And it's really, I'm sure, what, what could potentially get it started in any organization. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think some, some of the things, you know, I um, experienced over the past months, I'm, I'm sure, you know, this, this can be repeated in almost every organization, right? I think, um, you know, when you, I think my advice or what I would say is, you know, don't be afraid to get involved. Um, I think this is definitely a topic which is, you know, going beyond any sort of silo as well, right? This can't be solved only by engineering or only by operations or, you know, by sales or whoever. This is a, you know, cross-functional thing and everyone can can play its role there. And uh, I think really this is a journey, right? So you don't, yes. don't, don't be afraid that you need to get it right from day one because no one gets it right from, from day one, right? Uh, and also, uh, I think there are many topics. It can be a bit overwhelming in the beginning, right? So to look at this and you can think, right, this such a massive problem, you know, how how will I be able to solve this? But I think with practical approaches like Daryl said, and also, you know, looking for the conversations, I think having the conversation, you know, internally, but also externally, you know, speak to your partners, to your customers, uh, ask them what, what are their priorities, mm-hmm. um, you know, which projects are they working on? Uh, because yeah, we can't also solve this alone, right? I mean, we we are part of you know the emissions from our customers, um, and you know we need to solve this together. Mm-hmm. So um, I think yeah, definitely get get involved. That's I mean really good point. As you said, it's something that everybody uh, is thinking about in some form at some at some time, and and also to Daryl's point, I mean these changes and improvements, you've got to start somewhere, and the changes might just be. Very small from one year to the next, but but it's an inevitable direction. I think it is absolutely part of thinking about the future. So, some really good reflections there. Thank you both um, so much, um, Daryl. I think last thing I wanted to to just cover before we wrap up is um, the this report, right? So you you know I think that we've talked about this a couple of times, 
And I think it'd be really good as a as a perfect sort of call to action at the end of this uh, podcast to just uh, direct people to where they can where they can go and and see more. Uh, is there a, maybe like a good URL on Cisco.com that we could point people to to get started on that journey? I mean, we'll put these in the show notes as well. But uh, have you got yeah, any? That, definitely, I'll, I I can get you the the, the direct link to the PDF. Mm-hmm. But I, to be honest, that that report might be a little of a slate bait if you if you look at it in the evening. Uh, I think Christian's point of have the conversations because I look at from Cisco's perspective, our customers asking us questions and they've been doing this for years and the questions have grown in, in maturity and sophistication. So again, whether you're a big company or small, ask the questions, have a, you know, you're going to have meet with a supplier, take five minutes and have a discussion about sustainability, ask them about their packaging, ask them if they've looked at their energy consumption same, uh, you know, if you have partners, because the, the ecosystem of business now is very complicated, just have the conversation, mm-hmm. broach the topic, because you might have to talk about it once a week for a year before somebody has an idea to do something. And that idea might come from who knows where in the organization. Uh, most of Cisco's initiatives have started from employees just right. taking an interest and chasing it. And just little by little over time, we have a big success. Yeah, that's that's such an important point. It's it's all baby steps that move us in in that good direction. And the, and as we've said, the great thing here is that it is a unifying topic. Like everybody, well, everybody is impacted, and and everybody also has a voice in this conversation and can be a part of uh, of moving us towards a, a better better future. Okay, well, um, gentlemen, I want to thank you both very much for taking time out of your day to to join us on the on the podcast today. I know that we could continue this conversation a lot longer, and we've we've certainly had a few conversations even before we got to this point today. I think in the in uh, down the road, what we should probably do is unpack some in a little bit more detail, and we can sort of walk into individual specific topics. But what I really wanted to do was just get the conversation started, just introduce it, have it have it as something that uh, that is on our uh, on our minds, and obviously share that with our audience. So, um, Daryl, thank you so much for uh, for your time today. Yeah, it was a great way to spend the week. You know, spend some time on a Friday. I, I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, it's been great to have you on. And Christian, thank you also. I know it's uh, getting a little later for you now, so we need to get that weekend underway. Yeah, it's all good. It's still sunny outside, surprisingly, maybe, for for (laughs) the the local circumstances. No, it's all good. I really appreciate being here. Great conversation and looking forward to uh, the follow-up at some point, hopefully. Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you both um, very much again. And and of course, to you listeners, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this podcast journey that we're on here. I hope you are a subscriber. If you're not, you know what to do. Go to your favorite podcast app, hit that subscribe button, uh, and then you'll get notified when you get uh, these new episodes, which come out every two weeks uh, on various different topics. And as I say every single week, I have to do this little plug. If you would like to be on the podcast or if you just have an idea for the podcast, we would love to feature that. Uh, so do please reach out to me. I'm very easy to find on the internet. Uh, go to twitter.com and look for uh, the username Amaraki Simon. 
and uh, just send me a message on there and I will be very happy to hear from you and we would love to get you uh, featured on the podcast. As you know, we've had a lot of different types of guests on here. We've had customers, we've had partners, and of course, plenty of employees on here. Um, everybody is welcome. It's the stories we want to hear. So do be part of it if you have something you would love others to know about. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you all very much once again. We'll be back here in a couple of weeks. Stay well, stay safe. Bye for now. <laughs>